Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Um, if you've got your Bibles and would like to follow along, turn to Galatians 23, James 1, Matthew 23. We're going to have a sword drill today, it seems like. So uh, this weekend, I had some friends come in from New Hampshire and do some work out at the ranch, helping me out with some things. And that included one of my new favorite things. A skid steer. Now, I've been in a skid steer before, okay? I, I've been in one. But I've never worked all day long on a skid steer. And I'd like to tell you all about that experience. When I first got the skid steer and Cammie wanted the, the front yard leveled out. Well, what she really got was a tilled up yard. Because it's, a, it's one with wheels on it. And every time you turn, you rototill everything that you're trying to, uh, you know, smooth out. I'm trying to level, I turn, I have to level this and then fix that. And I spend all day on this thing. And it ended up looking pretty good after I raked all the divots out of it. Right? You know, I mean, it, look, it looked pretty good, right? But then these professional guys get there, right? These professional guys get there and they ask me to help on the skid steer. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? They said, move this dirt from right here to right here. <sighs> you wanted me to help. Well, the guy on the mini excavator could excavate quicker than I could pick up dirt with the bucket. So I'm falling behind. So guess what you do when you fall behind? You get in a hurry, right? I have knots on my head, on my shoulders, because when you try to hurry, you end up spinning the tires, which creates a big divot. And in a skid steer, you go backwards a lot, right? So you can't see the divots behind you. And have y'all ever seen a magic eight ball? You know how you work them, right? It's got some water in there, and you go, and then you look at it, that's what that guy looked like. They said, you look like using a magic eight ball. Because, I mean, I was a bucking. I had my spur out the window hanging on with it. It was one of the rankest rides I have ever seen in my life. But later on, I got to watch them work it. And I learned that the fastest way to work on a skid steer is slowly. Because when you get in a hurry, man, all you do, if you ever need something tilled up, just call somebody with a wheeled skid loader. They can come over and go, rit, 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 and you're, you'll be this deep. It's like planting alfalfa and cotton together. These guys went real slow, and they said this trick is to never spin your wheels. You ever feel like that, though? That you're trying to do something and your wheels are spinning and everything's just getting rocky and you're bouncing all over the place. Feel like somebody's shaking you up in a magic eight ball most days. Well, I tell you what, you're tired of that dog? I can't imagine. Oh, stand up. <laughs> She's one of my favorites. I can heckle her. She gives it right back. You feel like somebody's shaking you like a magic eight ball? Do you feel like everything's spinning, everything's rough, you're getting bounced around? Well, the Apostle Paul asked the Galatians that same question. Now, he didn't use magic eight ball, but he asked you, man, what's the problem? 
And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, this is what the Apostle Paul asks. You were running the race so well. He's talking to the church at Galatia. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Man, you were doing so good. And, and I think that every professed follower, I did not say believer, I said follower of Jesus Christ, I think goes through this type of situation. Man, you, you really find a place where, where you feel like you belong. Maybe that's Save the Cowboy. Maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. But you, you start to grow in Christ and things are starting to make sense and you're starting to make some changes and then all of a sudden, bam, 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 everything goes crazy, right? Paul asked, you were running the race so well. You were doing so good. Who has held you back from following the truth. Today we're going to talk about different people that you might think are holding you back. And if they are, we'll talk about how to get rid of that and move forward. Who has held you back from the truth? That's in verse 7. And in verse 8, Paul goes ahead and states the obvious. Okay? In the very next verse, he states the obvious because he says... It certainly isn't God, for He is the one who called you to freedom. God is not trying to put you in a little box and just shake you up as a, some spiritual science experiment to see how you're going to react. Okay, That is not the way God does things. You might say, well, I'd never say that God is holding me back. But we all have thought that. Some of us have even said that, maybe not in those words, but with that meaning behind it. Because, you know, how many times have we ever asked God, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? I thought you said, and we accuse God all the time, all the time. You might say that you've never accused God of holding you back, but you do. How many times do you hear people say, oh, it's rough, but God won't give me anything more than I can handle? Oh, that's a load of crud. That is a load of crud because God won't let any temptation come upon you that he will not give you a way out of. Of course, it, he'll let things happen to us, but he won't allow anything that he can't handle, <laughs> right? But a lot of times, we subconsciously blame God for our current predicament. How about when somebody passes away? One of the saddest, most heart-wrenching parts of my job is funerals. And especially during such a tough time as the loss of a loved one, you hear their loved one say, well, I guess God needed another angel and took them. That is as far from what happened. Like, there cannot be a more false statement ever. God doesn't kill people. He raises them back to life. And God doesn't have a need. God does not need you, okay? He wants you, and that's seven billion times better. But how many times do we subconsciously think that God is holding us back? He's not. And God doesn't need some, he's not going to kill somebody so that he's more of something in heaven. God is everything. 
And the trick to overcoming this mindset, whether it's intentional or not, the trick to understand is that God is the center of everything. Not you, sweetheart. It ain't you. That this Christianity is not about you and your feelings. It's about God in His glory, and it's about Him bringing us in as co-heirs and adopted sons of God. That's what it's about. God is the center of everything, not you. And there's freedom in that. There is absolute freedom. As Paul said, He, it certainly isn't God, who has held you back from following the truth. It's not God. Holding you back from becoming all He wants you to be is counterproductive to His plan, right? So God is never going to hold you back. If nothing else, you know it's the other way around. Have you ever seen that deal where like, it's a really popular like little quote, picture, meme, whatever you call them, of this mom and the mom is having a great time on a roller coaster and the kid is latched around the deal and he's just scared to death. And it says, this is how the Holy Spirit feels when he's leading me. The Holy Spirit's having a good old time and I'm scared to death. Believe it or not, more often than not, God is not going to hold you back. If anything, I think you know he's pushing you forward. He's pushing you forward. All the time there's an urging of him you're capable of more you can be better than this all those doubts and the fears that you have are unfounded put your trust in me and do things the way i said to do it if anything we're often more afraid of him pushing us forward than holding us back you were running the race so well who has held you back from following the truth paul says it's definitely not god okay it's certainly not God. But then in verse 9, he talks about somebody else that it might be. People that are kind of capable, if we allow it, of holding them back. Galatians 5, 9. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads the whole batch of dough. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. See, he's talking about false teaching, then that means like, like fake religious people, okay? And, and maybe they're not trying to be fake, but maybe they're misguided, maybe it's on purpose, something like that. But religion can ruin a great ride with Christ. I mean, I, I, I talked to a man just in the past couple of weeks, I mean, I didn't know him, but he was a friend of a guy that I did know. And, you know, he said, he said something like, yeah, I was in, and he said some church that I, I think he thought that I knew what it was, but I don't. But he said, I was a member of, my parents were a member of this church. And whenever I was 18, I swore I'd never step foot in another church the way they acted. That breaks my heart. That absolutely breaks my heart. And you know what I did? I looked at that man and said, I'm so sorry. And I dropped it. I didn't try to convince him. What he needed was to see me to love him, regardless of if he went to church or not. And I do. I wasn't going to try to talk him into going back to church. What I wanted him to see was the love of God. And to see somebody that I actually am religious. Okay? I'm just not fake religious. Religion can ruin a great ride with Christ. The problem... 
with false teachers and misguided teachers and those people that say you have to do it this way or you're not a real Christian. The problem with those people, Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 23. This is what he says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, because most of the time these false teachers will tell you to do something that they don't do themselves, right? And that's what the Pharisees' problem was. He said, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces and you won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Listen, you want to come out to the ranch and help? That's great. But you're going to have to put your big boy wranglers on whenever you come out there because if you're standing in the gate, you're going to get yelled at. Okay? It's just going to happen. Don't stand in the gate. And that's what hypocrites and religious false teachers do is they stand at the gate and won't let anybody else in. They don't go in themselves, but they ain't going to let anybody else in. Have you ever had a dog? <laughs> a dog has an innate ability to stand in a gap. Sometimes that's really good. Sometimes it's not. And other people are drawn to the gate. <laughs> Like, they could stand in a corner and be out of the way of everything, but for some reason it's just, it's like, it's like a miller to a moth flame. Or, yeah, a miller to a flame or a light, right? They're like, I can't help it. I've got to stand in that open gate where all the cattle are coming to. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's what they do. Be careful. Be careful of fake religious folks. See, in James chapter 1, verse 27, though, there's nothing wrong with being religious. As a matter of fact, I would hope that you would all call yourselves religious. But let's look at what God says pure religion is. Pure, and this is quoting right out of James 1, 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I want every stinking one of you to be the most religious people in the world. That kind of religious. Take care of orphans and widows, and do not allow yourself to be corrupted by the world. Be religious like that, because that's amazing. So, who's holding you back? Who's holding you back? It's certainly not God. We, we figured that out right at the beginning. It can be fake religious folks. Okay? Don't let them do it to you. The third people is also found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11 that could be holding you back. Paul says, If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. In other words, he's saying, if I quit preaching about Christ, everybody would love me. But I'm not going to quit preaching that Christ is the only way, and I don't care if you're offended by it. And you know who keeps you from following the truth sometimes? is people that you're scared of offending. Now, a lot of times you're like, I don't, I don't care. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You are scared of offending people, or your friends would probably be here with you. Or maybe some of your family, or something like that. Like, we cannot be offended 
We cannot let people being offended by the truth stop us from living that truth. Okay? We hold back who we really want to be because we're scared that somebody's going to get offended. How many times? I'm going to challenge you right now. And I want to hear your praise reports. I don't care if you text me. I don't care if you email me off the website. I, I don't care how you get it to me. But I am going to give every single one of you online and in this building a challenge. If you say you're not scared of offending anybody, the next time in normal conversation when somebody's telling you a problem that they're having, when used to, you would say, you know what, I should offer to pray for them. Instead of saying, like I know you have, well, I'll keep that in my prayers. I'll pray for you. And they're going to say, thank you. And then you're going to forget that by supper. You know it's true. What I'm going to challenge you to do is that if you have the slightest inkling by the Holy Spirit that you need to pray for that person, I'm going to challenge you to do it right then and say, you know what? Would you mind if I prayed with you right now and let God have it from there? Quit telling people that you are going to pray for them and start praying for them right then. And, it, you're, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, I don't know what to say. God, be with this person right now. Lift them up. Show them your majesty that it doesn't matter what happens on this earth. You are still God and you are still king. Something like that. It doesn't have to. You can, you can put your hand on their son and say, God, they're hurting. And you know it better than anybody. Be with them. You don't have to become Charles Spurgeon. Well, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 15 through 87, it says, Come on, love people. Love people out loud, not in here. I had to apologize to Gary this morning because I've been worried about him because I hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks, but I thought he was just busy. Come to find out he was sick. I, had, I literally apologized to him. It's like, man, I'm sorry I didn't call. I would have prayed for you, would have prayed with you. Because let me tell you what, that word for and with are as far apart as east from west. Quit praying for people, only for people, and start praying with people. I'm challenging you. You think you're a big man that you don't get offended by nothing and you don't care who you offend? Put your money where your mouth is, cowboy. Let's start a revolution. We don't pray for people. We pray with people. If you need prayer, come talk to me. I'll pray with you. If you need a long, drawn-out prayer, go somewhere else. Right? Because even Jesus says, man, them other people over there, they pray, and they pray really loud and really long so that everybody looks at them. I don't care if you look at me. I want you to look at God. Would you worry about offending them if they were fixing to ride off a cliff? If they were riding on the edge of a cliff, and they were headed right for it and didn't see it, would you be scared of offending them? No, but every single one of us are going to come to that cliff. Now, some of us, we're going to fly off that cliff and never touch the ground. Other people are going to get to that cliff and they're going to drop like a bad habit. And it ain't going to be, and there's no return from that. There's nothing. So are we really scared of offending people if we really love them? I mean, yeah, it might, it might drive somebody away. It's not your business. That ain't none of your business. I'm not saying for you to walk, you know, I, I, a, a guy that I, one of my pastors one time was telling a story about he was in a barbecue joint. And he said, 
that this guy walked in and it looked like he was trying to cut in line because it's kind of one of those, you know, where you go up and you say, I want that, want that, want that, and then you go sit down. He walked to the front of the line and he looked at every person in the line and said, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? And my pastor thought that was the greatest act of evangelism he'd ever seen. I thought it's kind of stupid. Okay? Listen, I'm not saying that you have to do that. Okay? Now, if God leads you to do it, do it. Okay? I just, maybe he was led, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. That is not my evangelism style, okay? And I'm not asking y'all to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Okay? But I'm just not, I have not been led yet to walk into a restaurant and ask the whole town, ask the whole place if they know my Jesus, right? You don't have to be weird about it, man. You don't have to be, there's nothing worse than a weirdo Christian, you know what I mean? There's just nothing worse than a weirdo Christian, you know? <laughs> and I've been one of them, I know, <laughs> I know. See, real, really what God wants for you is not to walk in a barbecue joint and scream out, do you know my Jesus, okay? That's probably not, maybe, maybe. What God wants from us is an honest life. Live for Him. That's what He's looking for. He wants us to listen to His guidance and act upon it, even if it offends. And if you're scared of doing it, I guarantee you that is your best indication that the devil's trying to stop you because God doesn't use fear. Satan does. As a matter of fact, God said, do not be afraid. Anytime you feel fear for doing something for God, that is the surest sign that the devil's like, hey, don't do this. Man, he don't even have to man the stop sign. He can just throw it over there. And you're like, oh, stop sign, I can't do this. I'm scared, I'll go the other way. Man, walk around that and go on. You know, this isn't Blazing Saddles. You don't have to come to the toll gate and get a bunch of dimes. Okay? Just go around it. All right? <laughs> I bet that's, I bet Save the Cowboy might be the only ministry in the world that uses Blazing Saddles as a sermon <laughs> illustration. God works in mysterious ways. Offer them the peace and truth that you have found. Because when you really develop that relationship with God, you are going to find a peace that doesn't make sense because it, your life ain't no easier. I get it. And, off, and after, like I've already said, don't pray for people anymore. Learn to pray with them, if at all possible, even if it's over the phone. Even, as a matter of fact, if you want to take it a step further, why don't you, if you're talking to a friend or a family member, instead of saying goodbye, I'll see you later, say, you know what, before we get off the phone, let me pray with you right quick. Man, what an amazing thing to do, because if they hang up on you, you can still keep praying. Right? <laughs> right? You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It's not God. It can be fake religious people. Okay, I get that. It can be fake religious people. Don't let them. It can be those that we're scared of offending. We don't say anything because we don't want to ruin a relationship. Well, I don't want them to go to hell. So which one is, you know, I guess we have to have our priorities, right? And finally, the last one is found in verse 15 of Galatians chapter 5. 
And Paul says, but if you were always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. See, you want to know somebody who can hold you back from the truth? It's you. It's you for complaining and comparing your ride with Christ to somebody else's. Okay? And this is probably the main one that keeps us from following the truth is ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. Okay? And listen, there, there's a saying that I've even used. I use it in jest most of the time, and most of you will know what I'm talking about. If you don't, go talk to my wife. She'll tell you what it means, explain it. She's very blunt. And you've heard the saying, don't assume, right? Don't assume because of what, right? But I don't think that's possible. You're going to assume. You you can't think and not assume something, right? It's okay to assume. Assume good. Just assume good. Like, if you're going to do something, assume good. Because it takes less energy to assume good than to assume bad. And why do I say that? (laughs) Because of this. When you assume bad, you try to figure out why they're, you know, they're acting that way. If you assume good, do you overthink that? No. You're not going to be worried about it for three days. Man, I'm just so amazed that they, they thought that highly of me. <laughs> You're not going to think that, right? Just assume good. You can assume good even in the negative. Man, I'm going to assume that they're having a really bad day and that didn't have nothing to do with me. And then you can let, if you assume good, you get to let it go. If you assume bad, guess what? You're going to eat that sack lunch for about four days, aren't you? You know I'm right. Start assuming good. Even if it's the worst situation in the world, assume good. The single greatest change you can decide to make in your life right now now that has zero to do with the way any what anybody else does the single greatest change you can make right now is to never speak ill of another person period period the other single greatest change you can make right now is to stop complaining unless it's informal prayer with god i do not mean saying Jesus Christ when something goes wrong. That is not a formal prayer. That's actually cursing, using the Lord's name in vain. And I don't care if you say, well, I use it to... to..." No, you don't. It's a habit. It's a habit. And I'm offended by it. If you're around me and you use the Lord's name in vain in any way, I'm going to check you on it. I'm just saying. I am a religious person. And around me, you don't have to be, but then you're not going to be around me. I'm not trying to control you. This is my boundary, right? The single greatest change you can make right now is to never speak ill of anybody except to their face. And the other single greatest change you can make right now is to quit complaining about anything unless it's informal prayer. If you have to make a note on your, text yourself, complain about this to God. And then when you get home at the end of the day and you've got about three and a half hours worth of prayer to do, I guarantee you're going to forget about a lot of that petty stuff. Because see, prayer doesn't change other people. Prayer changes us. 
You want to make a change. If, if you don't like the way that your life is going right now, this message is for you because it says you were running the race so well. What is holding you back from the truth? Beware of destroying each other. Beware of destroying each other. No one can destroy you except you. You have that freedom. You have that freedom. No one can destroy you except you. And you know how you do that? You want to know how you destroy yourself? By playing the devil's game. And that is found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This is the devil's game. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I hope this offends somebody because it would be a sure sign that you got something to fix in your life. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying anybody that has ever done any of that will not inherit the kingdom of God. What I mean is if that is your everyday life, you need to come talk to me and I'm going to point you to Jesus, okay? Because every sin can be forgiven. What that means is if you're living that life and you don't think anything's wrong with it, okay? Now, if you struggle with some of that stuff, good, because that means God's still with you. If you're struggling to quit that, lean on him even more. I don't care what, I don't care if it was one of them or all 50 of them, it seemed like, right? Instead, instead, focus all your energy into being led by the Spirit of God, not by the devil. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God says nothing about these being bad. There is no law against these things. Man, where are you at? Do you feel, do you feel like something's holding you back? That you're meant for more? Take this into account, man. It's not God holding you back. And it can be fake religious people, okay? It can be scared, the people that we're scared of offending. We don't take our faith to the next level because we don't exercise it to the next level. And I think that we could all use the next level. But these are the things that it's going to have to take or something similar to these. Don't pray, with, don't pray for people. Start praying with people. That's huge. Quit talking ill of others. Quit complaining. Develop those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ah, <laughs> that was a lot of talking. The skid steer was fun. But the mini excavator got left over the weekend. If anybody likes to come help clean up some stuff... 
Kevin might have gone a little overboard with the mini excavator. But, but, I did learn something because I was watching those guys do it. And listen, if you've never run a mini excavator, let me give you the cowboy equivalent of it. Scream across the pasture at full stupid with a rope in each hand. <laughs> That's what running a mini excavator is like. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And they've got this deal. First thing I asked them, they said, do, do you need a, uh, do you need a, uh, little bit of instruction before you get on that thing and see the number one quality if you really want to be a cowboy is an unrealistic sense of self-confidence okay it, you, you'll never meet a cowboy that doesn't have an unrealistic self-confidence problem right now nah, I'll be fine I'll be fine I was like but I mean go ahead just in case so they this does this this does I didn't remember none of that and I said, I just want to know one thing. They said, what? I said, how do you do that fancy turn? Because see, what they do is they put the bucket down, and then they rotate the bucket around without, like, the tracks, really, so it doesn't tear everything up. I wanted to learn that because I learned my lesson on the skid steer. But let me tell you what. In order to use that little cool little function, and those guys, they get, I mean, they're just doing it like cool, right? In order to do that, you have to, Go this way with one, go this way with another, and this way with one foot, and this way with another foot. It's really like a calculus problem, okay? <laughs> and I did it with them standing there showing me how. But then those no accounts left. <laughs> they left me with a mini excavator. I should not be trusted to, to do that. And so I drove it over to the first wreck I was going to make, right? Did a little bit and then tried it. If you come back next week, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. And God, I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is here encouraging people encouraging people to take that next step, to quit some of this stuff that's holding us back and to grab on to the stuff that is going to push us forward. And God, I pray right now, not for these people, with them. God, I ask a blessing on everybody, whether it's on the radio, on the internet, or in person, if they are listening to this, that God encourage them to move to that next level. Shuck off everything that holds us back and tie hard and fast to those things that we know will lead us to you. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Love y'all. See you next week.